We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the Cave Trolls. We are officially recording. Hello and welcome to the Cave Trolls podcast. My name is Terry Smith, and for the uninitiated, if you don't know, this is the podcast where we talk about all the tabletop RPG news, mostly D&D and all the other good stuff that you can find on the internet. The new things, Kickstarters and games, and the bad things, like Wizards of the Coast being racist. That's what we did last week. Luckily for the world, no one has come out and did anything awful in the last 24 hours that I'm aware of, so... We're going to go forward with no major news of some company being extremely offensive to anybody specific that I know of. I'm sure it's happening in the background. Um, but with me today, I have Sharday, one half of the Slavenly Trolls. Sharday, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Yeah, you sound fantastic. I know you had your COVID booster yesterday. We were supposed to record earlier, and you're like, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um <laughs> And that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I don't know if most things are going to happen uh, from a day-to-day basis, let alone when syringes get poked inside of me, which I do. No anti-vax shit here. Uh, I have to schedule mine. That made that reminded me. I need to go get my Omicron uh, booster. Yeah. yeah, my brother reminded me. So <laughs> that's why I just went and did it. Smart, smart, smart. I have to like schedule mine a little bit more strategically because if like I pass out like what you did, my kids don't like go to school or eat. Right. And exactly. so <laughs> like, I have to plan mine a little bit more strategically. But I'm also like talking to way more people than you right now. So like I feel like I should have done it already. My my second booster. I was waiting for the six month mark, and apparently that hit two weeks ago, and I just wasn't paying attention. Yeah. So. Yep. Exactly. Uh, I should do totally it. Totally passed me by, and then I'm just like, I should probably, um, I should go do that. And then I picked a day where I had not like nothing going on, but like just a day that, like, okay, like if I if I'm if I can't do anything for the next 48 hours, it's not the worst thing in the world, <laughs> but it's very inconvenient. Um, and plus, I needed to just get it out of the way so I didn't put it off for like another month. <laughs> do it do it it's fine i've heard that you know covid is no big deal and that nobody wants to work anymore those are the two big problems we have in this country right yeah those are the two big problems exactly <laughs> you hit it right on the i hear that all the time and because you hear it all the time both on the internet and real life I, my uncle posts it on facebook often so i thought that that meant that that was true yeah that face everything on facebook is true that's yeah, true that's why too. I, yeah. I totally still use facebook let me let me turn you on to this little thing called QAnon, um, <laughs> because man, they have some interesting stuff going on. Uh, for anyone just tuning in, which is that's not how podcasts work, so I doubt it. Um, but if you did hit fast forward for two minutes, that was all a joke. That was much sarcasm. Um, and moving on to no longer sarcastic things, uh, we are going to talk about the games and supplements that have come out in the last couple weeks. First up is Undying Corruption. A Korean 5e adventure. We've been talking about all these games and supplements are releasing for 5e. And this one sounds dope as fuck. Explore the lands of Danguk as sh- as shamans. I can say shamans. And exorcists. Face off with creatures and villains seen only in Korean folklore in this 5e tome. Which is fucking awesome. I'm super excited for that. We're finally starting to get it in some of our like Western media. Um, like They touched on, on some Korean folklore a little bit in... Um, 
Lovecraft Country in the HBO adaptation of the book. And that was really cool. And to see some of this stuff finally hitting um, our games, like like the Western games, is kind of neat. Because we a lot of our stuff is, is a little bit played out. And uh, they go to the same wells. So I get really excited when I start to see not only like diverse creators, but like doing cool shit. Like, hey, let's hit up some of like the creepy folklore from these other countries. So it's not just, hey, look, more werewolves. Hey, look, yeah. more vampires, you know. I'm not usually super upset when people do like vampires and werewolves, as long as they're like new and unique. But mm-hmm. I, w- I also want to see more stuff like this and more stuff that. I'm just that you just don't see in like media or tabletop or anything. And there's not a whole lot of information on this one, it looks like. But again, the art looks dope. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. So, Nine Heavens Press, they're a little bit newer. They're a mostly Asian American uh, team making stuff for 5e, Pathfinder 2e, and other TTRPGs in general. This is their first big Kickstarter, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. So, okay. we'll see. Minky Kim is one of the designers on it and one of the people behind the Kickstarter. It's so i'm excited we'll see we'll withhold judgment until it's actually released but lissa our other co-host who is mia right now oh nope she's here oh oh if we if we if we whisper we might hear her uh it's like when you hold a seashell up to your ear you can hear the ocean no it's like bloody mary like you say lissa in front of a mirror and she appears she just appears (laughs) yeah lissa are you there She's not. Uh, <laughs> we can. <laughs> the other half of the Slavenly Trolls. Lissa, how's it going? Uh, it's going good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did already start the show. I apologize. We couldn't wait for you. You sent me the the article for Undying Corruption. Are you excited for that? What do you uh, What do you think of Nine Heavens Press new game? Uh, I literally just got home so give me a second no (laughs) seconds no seconds needed Uh, that's fine we're gonna move on anyways if you come up with any thoughts on undying corruption a korean 5e adventure you let me know um we won't go back but you can just let me know that you've come up with something (laughs) what'd you say just like just pipe in somewhere i have thoughts and that's it i mean we we all can assume Lisa has thoughts uh that's true. Uh, much more sophisticated um, thoughts, mm-hmm. usually. Moving on, uh, another one from Merkborg. Alien RPG Studio set to publish a spinoff to their game, Merkborg. Uh, Pirate Borg, I believe is what it's called. Very <laughs> thoughtfully uh, titled um, to carry over. If you don't know, Merkborg, uh, uh, another D20 style um rpg with amazing art some of the best art that's come out in the last couple of years won a bunch of any awards think like dark fantasy a la dark souls elden ring that kind of darker fantasy um scandinavian inspired really really cool system really simple system it's d20 but not nearly as uh intricate as something like D 5e or pathfinder 2e um really easy to get in d20 dc for most things and then like if you react you do two d6s and you gotta go off a chart to to see what you do it's really really cool um i'm excited to see them expanding i don't know if the art's gonna be as cool it looks pretty good but i only see one page up um yeah but i am excited for it one or yeah i think the dicebreaker article has one two yeah two pictures 
but it looks dope. <laughs> As I say with all art, it looks dope. It does look dope. Um, Alex Meehan linked the article here for Dice Breaker. I have her article here, but she's also the one that turned me on to uh, Merkborg originally uh, when we covered it a couple months ago before the Ennies, and we, we talked to Alyssa about it as well. Um, so it's exciting that it's not only doing well enough. Cause like I was, I was a little trepidatious. I wasn't sure a lot of these random games that just kind of come out. I, I don't know if they do well enough to get, you know, expansions or spinoffs or if that publisher is going to keep going, but the publisher's name, let me see if I can pronounce this correctly. It's like Limithron or something like that. If I'm remembering. Yeah. Limithron. Um, so they're doing well and they got other shit coming up. So we'll, we'll see. Um, Lissa, are you excited for more Merkborg? You're the one who told me how to pronounce it, so I'm assuming that's a yes. Merkborg. Damn it! Oh yeah, yes, what am I'm I saying? Excited. It's it's Merkborg. Yes, I'm excited. Merk. So the O with the two dots on top is I. Eh. So I'm saying Merk, but it's Merk. 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 Okay. Merk. Yeah, this is not a sound that we normally make in English, so I can see why I, I was mean, missing it, but. That's also that's also in Finnish, and I can't remember how they do it in Swedish because the Swedes do everything differently. Because <laughs> they are hashtag want to be different. <laughs> I thought you were just gonna say the Swedes do everything wrong, so that's a lot more tame than I thought you were gonna. Say. I think if we went <laughs> off mean, air, she would that say was, that. I mean, that would, if this was the Slovenly Charles podcast, I would say that. But this is <laughs> <laughs> culture. I, I appreciate you just cleaning it up a little bit for me specifically. I, I do like that. Um, I am going to back this Kickstarter because my wife loves pirate games and she agreed to play Merkborg already. So I can just hand her this instead. I think it's a little bit more upper alley. So if you guys want to check out Pirate Borg sometime, let me know. I will be on it. Um, you can back it for uh, pretty cheap. I believe 15 bucks gets you the PDF. So um i'll also you know I'll, I'll put the link in for uh Merkborg as well because it's really cool i love the art for it um and more people should play it mm -hmm. so they can make more stuff exactly exactly and i can buy it and not be able to play it because everyone just plays D D anyways uh <laughs> you said not bitterly at all <laughs> i got sent a tiktok earlier in the week and it was uh I, I don't remember the audio but people were crying going i just wish they knew and it was people holding books like exalted and Merkborg and derps <laughs> and and stuff like that and just a lot of creators like duetting it doing that and i'm like i get it man i get it it's rough out here Throw out here if you don't play fifth edition specifically. Not just D D either. It's like fifth edition D D. Mm-hmm. That's rough, buddy. Yeah, I still have my three point five rogue book over there on my uh on my uh bookshelf. I wonder if I can break that out sometime. Probably not. It's okay. Moving on. Uh <laughs> Chatbook Co-op's first collaborative production is a two player RPG chock full of textile artwork. This comes from Dicebreaker Chase Carter over there um diving into this i like the idea of going into a book that's like about weaving that's that's kind of the one of the hooks of the world is weaving but because of that they're only doing physical editions of this book um uh, let me see if i can get some context for you instead of me just saying random words and then weaving 
Uh, the first uh, tabletop RPG publication brought to print with the help of the Chatbook Co-op is now available. The Weaver's Observatory is a two-player adventure about destiny and the hopeless attempt to alter its course. Dicebreaker readers will remember the Chatbook Co-op from a feature one alternative funding methods for TTRPG designers. And if you don't know the article they're referencing, I'll link that below. It's really cool that that's where uh, I, I talked about BackerKit last week and a couple of other uh, websites to kind of re not replace Kickstarter, but attend, um, attempt to kind of expand the indie crowd when it comes to ttrpg space and uh the chatbook co-op is one of them there's a group of several game designers and studios to kind of team up and help release each other's games and this is one of the first ones that are coming out so uh pretty excited about the collective as a whole not necessarily the game i don't know too much about this one but it's cool that they're finally putting out stuff a lot of times you know you get these companies they're like we're gonna team up and we're all gonna do our own thing we're not gonna use this thing anymore and then you never hear from them ever again it's just vaporware basically so it's exciting that they're coming out um uh physically printing their adventure also allowed gem room games to carry the thread and loom metaphor into the actual pages of the book Lowry is a fibers artist and often works with textiles, so she jumped at the opportunity to create something special for the players to hold and enjoy. Custom tapestry work and bright colored embroidery contrasted against black and white photography create a dreamlike ephemeral snapshot of Fate's Realm that have an actual texture thanks to the mixed media production. And uh, I'm looking at this book. Again, I don't know anything about the system, can't find anything about the actual game, but these pages are awesome looking and extremely strange. So buy the book just for the fact that uh it's got weaving in it and black and white photography and they're both gorgeous it's like yeah it's like mixed media it's so cool i see stuff like this at like art shows yeah yeah exactly i feel like i i saw your brother presenting at something on uh, social <laughs> media and i saw this like book in the background it wasn't this book but it was something like it i feel like i saw yeah. i saw people uh in a much more well-to-do location <laughs> showing off artwork like this before <laughs> it uh, also looks like with like the weaving metaphor it's very much like the fates from greek mythology which i really like yeah i like the idea of like the world behind it um it's something that uh, like ari salvatore messed around with it a few years ago for a game called um oh shit i forget uh Amalur reckoning Ki kingdoms of Amalur reckoning and uh kind of like a failed game, game world yeah it was it was okay it was it was failed but it's so fun i haven't beat it yet but i, I play it on and off on xbox all the time it's so fun the combat in that game is immaculate and the world's pretty cool too but like the whole There's idea so in that world is the yeah all elves all elves they don't know what your fate is um and yeah. that's the joke in that world because everyone knows what their fate is but uh it just They're kind of you. uh uh brought that to mind a little bit also yeah, it's like the right. the looming thing was in the adaptation of the comic book wanted um they had the looms of fate and uh not in the comic book but in the movie adaptation with angelina jolie uh and james <laughs> mcavoy there was looms of fate so now we're just doing free association apparently uh, but I'm, <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, <laughs> if, in lieu 
of like us knowing what the rules are like oh this gives us you know blank vibes you know exactly exactly yeah i'm i can't find anything on it but i'm gonna hunt down a video see if i can link some more i like the idea also of a two-player rpg specifically yeah um you don't see a lot of those there's some one-on-one books i know i've talked about them a lot a lot of one cheaters have one-on-one mechanics but more two-player games please because my best friend is my wife and uh nobody else wants to hang out with me so i i need more games that she'll specifically play with me um let's move on from the sadness on to (laughs) um this article comes from polygon uh world ending game everest pipkin tabletop rpg and it's about karaoke did you two get a chance to read this article i did read it and it's it's not a very good title because the article is not about karaoke <laughs> well it's about this game but like it it has karaoke elements it within has, the game it does and it has it's it's a like a collection of things and adventures to like end a campaign basically mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. is what i got from it so when you're stuck on how to end a campaign or like players have done so many epic things in their lifespan this is kind of a tool to help give them a really unique interesting ending and karaoke is one of those things it's one option yeah they make it sound like it's the the whole point of the book which is originally why i had loaded it up um but yeah there are other things this comes from uh cameron kunzelman over at polygon polygon's been doing a lot of really cool stuff with their tabletop gaming expansion recently i'll link another article here um but it's part of their new initiative called the future of tabletop and they have a bunch of really cool really in-depth articles i thought it would be kind of a combination we could talk about this game but also talk about the fact that polygon is trying to expand a little bit they're mostly known for their video game entertainment coverage and they've always covered tabletop to a certain extent but they're really expanding their ttrpg writers they've hired a few people over there and they've had some awesome write-ups so go check that out and i'll link it there but i was excited for this game not just for the karaoke portion but ending a fucking game is hard um (laughs) and ending a campaign is even harder and what i liked about this is there's some sections of the book that are like hey maybe you're not ending your campaign fully like the world isn't ending but maybe you're saying goodbye to just these characters or maybe the opposite maybe you're ending this portion of a campaign but you're gonna do another story with the same groups and it kind of sections that off so you can find one that fits uh what you're gonna do and it's mostly a prompt guide it's nothing super all-encompassing by any means but it is really really neat what they're going with and you can randomly they have rolling aspects they have a book of tables which as a gm i always really love um the article here references uh, a quiet year which is more of a freeform rpg where you're kind of taking turns drawing cards from a deck and then you draw pictures of what your prompt is so like you'll draw a card and it'll say hey um a bad guy walks into town and then whoever drew that draws the bad guy on the map where do they enter in a town what does the bad guy look like etc and uh this definitely definitely evokes that kind of feeling in me something that we could uh sit down and even mess with for other worlds maybe not a fifth edition campaign but maybe some of my other games i go with so what do you two think of this game i forget the name of it (laughs) world ending game world ending game um 
I'm always about new ideas, especially because I've ended a campaign before and I thought I did an awful job <laughs> just because, <laughs> you know, you you get in your own head about it and it's just like, well, I don't know if I gave these players what they wanted and if I didn't, you know, you, you, you get all those questions as a DM. So having a guide to kind of help you through that and be like, hey, listen, here is like, follow this prompt. This might help. Anything to help. So you're not just like floundering out there as like a tool for a DM, especially if you're because it was I'd never ended a campaign before. So it was uncharted territory for me. So anything to help that for new DMs, for old DMs, I am all about it, honestly. Yeah, I'm all just about the concept. reading a little bit more off their website. So it's got a little bit of both. So you can use this as a way to build out your world. So um, uh, doing more. So it's called the ground itself. And you can use it to supplement your world or build it out a little bit more. It has a lot of the same mechanics as the quiet year, as I mentioned, where you're about building the world and ending the world. But it also has a game itself within it that you can just do. You can build a world with your friends and end it there as more of a RPG sit down game rather than running a campaign. So you can revisit that same Uh, world. What I'm reading is these kinds of games are played in a character-centered way and figuring out how to let go of those characters. So what I'm hearing is this is therapy for when you have <laughs> your character, your character and you need to let go and understand that they're not dying necessarily. They're just going to a better place, which is called the happily ever after. Yeah. And then you process these emotions with this book. And then you throw out all of the things that you process and you roll up your characters for ink. And we just play with them there and we never have to say goodbye. What we're doing here is we're mapping out the life journey of characters through all of these different (laughs) editions that you can buy. I mean, we we joke, but some of my most cathartic experiences in gaming have been from games like The Quiet Year, which does the same thing. You do an entire year in this world for a village that you set up or city or whatever setting you do, and it has to come to an end. Same thing here. And then um, something like Forged in the Dark, which is... Um, you have a character, but you also pull out a little bit and do things like like factions and larger scale, you know, like your group or this city kind of thing. Some of that is really cathartic because it forces you to come to an end with multiple characters. And instead of going, well, we'll save them for another day. Well, they end. That doesn't mean they die. That doesn't mean that they have to go fall into a pit when they're done with. But you end that story, which we all know doesn't always happen when you play at home campaigns and things like D&D. Uh, <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to reach the end of a campaign because having a group of adults uh, trying to schedule things over years doesn't always go well. Now I'm just projecting. Sad. Yeah, sad well, I mean, I mean, I was, I was about to say, I wonder how we manage to make things like with businesses and things work because adults scheduling things together and meeting up is just so difficult. <laughs> I mean, a lot of what I think makes it possible for us to even do this at all, obviously the money that comes from Patreon helps us, but it just, I like doing it, even though it's like, podcasting isn't necessarily a passion of mine, I love talking about games, I love talking about stuff with with you guys, I use it to keep me on a schedule, like I'm beholden to people because they're paying money, which means I owe them content, and they like that content, so I'm going to make it and deliver it to them and that's why i can do it every week um i've worked on some nebulous stuff like i have a i have a novel i wrote and it took 
way too long because there was no one that wanted it so like it was just me setting deadlines i'm like well i'm not what there's no negative i don't follow it but with patreon if we don't put up that episode we get messages like hey where's that episode is that happening or are you just going to take my money and leave um uh and the answer is no we will deliver that episode so uh yeah that's that's how i do it <laughs> it's because there's money on the line if there wasn't i don't know they might get an episode of cave trolls every i don't know four years five years yeah that sounds all right yeah so the next section i named uh old lady yells at cloud uh ai uh so <laughs> this is this is Lissa's opportunity to complain about AI art. So if you don't know over the weekend and uh yesterday, what's today? Tuesday and Monday, yeah. people have been talking about this game book for 5th edition that used AI art for the cover and this has been a topic and discussion outside of the TTRPG space for a little while now. There was that guy a few weeks ago who won a digital art contest with uh, AI art, and I've I've messed around with a little bit of AI art. I have opinions, but I wanted to cede the floor to Lissa and let you yell at clouds for a little bit because this was interesting, all the articles you sent me. So go ahead. So essentially, there's this big discussion right now going on Twitter uh, where people are pitching in their opinions on the fact that whether or not TTRPG designers and people who make these, you know, like, uh, very low-budget, oftentimes, books on whether or not they can use AI to create art for that. Because in the TTRPG space, we do have a lot of artists who, you know, do very amazing work and for low budget things and who have you know op there are other options available for getting artwork for your ttrpg so the discussion is basically going around of whether or not ai is well i mean whether or not ai is stealing artwork from freelancers or artists because as i've understood there are people who say it's not stealing, it's just using like a collage technique of putting these and these and these together and making it a whole. Whereas other people are saying they're they're taking images that are available on the on from certain sources which have not been copyrighted. So anything on the internet that hasn't been copyrighted that they can grab from which is you know could be ttrpg artwork and if you're specifically going into like terms like steampunk or like i don't know like these adventuring terms you're you might end up with actual artwork for other you know ttrpgs or by these artists so what the AI does is it mashes them up together and molds them, and then there's discussion about why you would do that. Is that stealing? Is that ethical? Uh, do is it okay? So there was this. The reason why it came out was there was this one. I uh, I guess you could call it. It was like a something a steampunk edition it was information about a steampunk setting and gear that you could get for a steampunk setting which used a see they 
they had bought a pack of AI created images, which they used to the cover, and then posted a thread, got some feedback that it was an AI cover, and then wrote a big thread on how AI is not stealing from the artist, which did not sit very well with pe a lot of people. <laughs> and so now it's just going, you know, it's 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 like a forest fire and it's just blazing about. And there are so many different takes on this. I have just collected myself. I didn't even like read through these all of them like properly. There's but so many. There's so many there's so many threads. It's been picked up by Kotaku. It's been even as Kotaku was mentioned that there's even AI generated games that are already starting to appear on Steam. So AI is infiltrating the gaming sphere. Y2K but, is real. Um, yeah. Buy canned goods. Throw your computers in the sea. But what do we think about AI art? Uh, um, well, I have two opinions and they're directly opposed. So, like, diametrically, like, basically. <laughs> and uh, they both comes from, like, the copyright angle. So, one... As an artist, I'm always afraid someone's going to steal my stuff. Even when it's crappy, it's just a fear that you have to deal with. Or you just put your stuff out there and go, hopefully I make money off of it. And hopefully somebody doesn't get to it first. Um, so I already have that going into all these things. But there are two things when it comes to copyright. One is you have the copyright on your thing the second it's created and you can prove that you created it. Now, that doesn't mean that the patent office, office automatically calls you and is like, here's your copyright, sir. Um, what that means is, at least in America, is when you started using your thing, that's when the copyright was created. Now, you still have to go file said copyright if you want to sue somebody for using it. So these artists who are like, hey, my designs ended up inside of this AI and they're using it to make other art. You could bring forth, I don't know if you'd win that, um, because AI is new, but you still own your copyright even if you didn't copyright it and somebody used it first if you can prove that you did it first that's your copyright so that's just some context for you uh, when it comes to my opinions the first thing is it depends on the ai right so some ai actually create artwork so they take techniques that they see off our artwork and some of the more advanced ones and they make new artwork art art artwork using those techniques and designs and the general aesthetic of art and then there's other ai that just take pieces of art and kind of hodgepodge it together in a different way to make new art um one i think is more ethical than the other but both can still be a problem one like the one that that makes its own stuff you could argue is just like an, an artist going hey i really like how they do brushstroke uh, um, brush strokes that's how i'm gonna do it and the other one is like hey i copied and pasted the way that you drew ears on my guy and now they have the same type of ears but it's on a different image so you can't yell at me for it um one is definitely more problematic than the other but either way i think it's a little bit gray we we can't decide 100 because we're not the artists I don't like buying AI art because I don't know the consent of the artist. I don't know. Just because it's not copyrighted doesn't mean you just get to take it willy-nilly. I don't know all the intricacies of the AI. 
So I don't like using them, at least not for commercial use, because I don't know, are they just stealing pieces of people's art or are they drawing it? Because I can't figure that out. I don't like using them. I think that it sucks for people who are artists who are creating these things. Um, and the other aspect, it, like from like uh, the artist's not artist side the like the technological side it's neat that people who don't have the skill can still create images it like i as someone who i i've had to practice really hard to be very mediocre at line work and my painting and the idea that i could type into a computer what i want instead of having to convince someone to please work with me i promise the story is going to be good as a comic book artist that is enticing but I don't think it's the same thing. I don't think you're going to get the same level of artwork. If you would have commissioned this, I think that would have been better artwork. And I think that this is kind of scary. But if there's no rules against it, they're creating art. Art is never has never been fair. And if they're going to say, well, you can do this now, I guess artists have to up their game or show why they're different. And I definitely think... They are different. I definitely think, you know, if you could have an artist make you something, it's going to be better than this AI-generated stuff. Um, but those are my two takes. I'll stop talking now. Sharday, what do you think? I think this is also just it, – it's such it, – it's not new, but it is new. It's mm -hmm. just AI – whenever AI comes into the scene for anything, it's my opinion that it's never, ever going to be as good as a human doing it. Mm -hmm. um, the technology – I don't know if that's what they're aspiring to do with the people who are creating these AIs because there always is a person behind the AI coding it, helping it be better, like, or giving it the code to have itself improve. So I've, I've seen a lot of takes on Twitter and as somebody who's not a visual artist, I'm more of a, on the writing side of things. So like, there's only so many things that I can say about it because I don't have any skin in the game. You know? I mean, I mean, there is AI that does your copywriting for you. That is already there is, on but the internet. Yeah, there is. I've seen it. It's awful. <laughs> like, I've seen it. It's not good. Um, but that doesn't mean people won't use it as like a template, like pay for an AI to write your copy for you. And then you as the person who's paying for that program, you go over it and you edit it and they just like give you a template to work with. And then you don't have to hire a copywriter. You just have an AI write the rough draft then you edit it and then blah 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 so ai is coming in multiple different facets of the art community and it is scary and it is it's take it's flat out taking money away from artists like that's just that's what it's doing it's taking money away from artists especially new artists who haven't who don't have the big client lists yet who are just getting into the game and who thrive in the indie space because this is specifically this AI art was used for a um, a supplement on DMs Guild, right? Or yeah. drive through RPG. Yeah, one of the two, if not both. Like specifically what somebody who is not a super high-end mm -hmm. professional artist working for Wizards of the Coast would have a job for. It is the thing right. like it took their job, right? Like the joke it stands. Took, it took their job. <laughs> yeah. It took you took the job of a like an artist who's either trying to build up a portfolio, trying to break into the scene who needs those commissions. And I understand from the perspective of somebody who's maybe a layout designer or a writer just flat out not being able to 
afford commission prices, like, sure. I, I kind of understand that, but also at the same time, I saw a, a Twitter thread, and I'll see if I can find it so we can link to it. There are, like, packs of general art you can buy from artists that are cheaper than personalized um, personalized commissions, and you can use those in your book, and you're still paying an artist directly. Like, they'll sell packs of general art for you to just stick in a book that right. can work with a lot of things. So... AI art, I think, is a great, maybe a tool, especially if you're, like, laying out pages, but publishing a whole book with AI art and not even considering going to an artist at all is really gross, especially since the indie community thrives on freelancers, both, you know, writers, layout designers, editors, graphic designers, artists, like... It, it, it thrives on that and AI and somebody specifically choosing AI art over somebody else in the community who's trying to build a career or who's trying to build up a portfolio is just always going to be icky to me, I think. Just like Lissa was saying, like if you use a AI generated for copywriting, that's it, it, it's shitty. And then you edit it yourself. It's shitty. Or you, um, I think somebody also brought the point, like, what if as a game designer, you could put in, like, input a bunch of things about, like, a stat block if you're writing for an RPG. Or you could put in, like, very basic descriptors into an AI and they write an entire, like, backstory and stat block and everything for that page that you're working on in your book. Like, how would that make you feel? Like anybody in the creative space is not safe from AI or somebody using AI and then editing it themselves. And that's and where away your payment. Like I get into the idea of like, well, I, I don't like too much of that because I mean, obviously we get paid to do that, right? Like that sucks. But then there's the other aspect mm -hmm. of use every tool at your disposal. Like as a creator, like I use technology that a long time ago would have been seen as like, Oh, you're cheating. Right? Like I do a lot of digital artwork. A lot of the artists I work for with in my comics, um, use digital tools and people would say like, Oh, like that's taking money out of these people's pockets. Right. The, the difference to me with this, like that, that kind of negates that argument is how the AI has the tools at its disposal, right? It's yeah. taking from other artists without giving them money. So yeah. that, that's where, like, if this was just a tool, I'd say, you know what? I think our argument is null and void. Like they like that art that came from this computer program that can, that programmer did it. Yes. It's taking that job away, but that's part of evolving as a culture, right? Is we have to shift and change with our technology, but this isn't just doing that. This is taking, yeah. like, literally taking their artwork and going, well, now it's our own thing. And, yes, it's doing it in a way that we cannot understand, but it's still using that artist's work. And it's not like this this person who created this AI and, like, learned all those techniques themselves and plugged it all into the computer, and this is a hodgepodge of their skill set. No. this It's an interesting piece of technology, and it's extremely problematic when it comes to the people that it is hurting. And that's specifically yeah. the artist that it's stealing from. Yeah. So I think that's shitty. I think the arts and I, I'm gonna call the TTRPG just like artistic in yeah, general. Yeah, yeah. I think the arts in general uh, are to begin with undervalued, and what? artists are already being underpaid. So like, there's there's a certain level where 
you get easily annoyed when something like this comes up. Like, it's it's totally understandable. I do it the same. I'm an artist. You know, I get it. And then, so the AI, from what I've read and understood, it looks at patterns. So when it's looking at other people's work and scanning through its database, it's looking at patterns and it's imitating and copying those patterns. So yes, it's taking, and it's like, taking yeah i don't know it's it's weird because this is all about from what i can understand like this is about consent so right. did these artists consent to their work being taken and to be used to create new work for said person who's typing in you know keywords into an ai engine no the answer is no they do not consent for their artwork to be used so if there's were to be a tool, there would have to be uh, a database of some sort of a collection of writing, uh, art, uh, images, text, I don't know, that have been processed and whose authors and artists have consented to allow them to be used to create, you know, like... There's a whole lot of, like, non, like, source material that you can get from, like, Unsplashed, from, you know, all of these free databases where you can get free stuff, you know, and they consent to removing copyright, you can use it for business purposes, you can use it for your personal purposes, they don't care, they make it for you, it's there, it's accessible, sometimes you have to uh, say their name and credit them, and that's it, but... With AI, there is no consent. These artists have not consented to it, and I think that's where this becomes problematic, plus the fact that it's already taking away... Plus the fact that it's taking away from other artists being able to do this job. But yeah, it's. I think it's about consent. Yeah, and honestly, that's I think that, that we could do it a little bit more ethically. Again, I don't want to be opposed of changing times with technology. I think it's cool that this person has created an advanced enough AI that can study the way these patterns are reproduced in their artwork, similar to how an artist would learn, hey, I kind of see how they do um, these different ratios for a face, right? Like, that's how I learned how to draw. Like, And that's how artists that are you know vastly superior, even they started somewhere like that. So, like, I'm not opposed to it there, but like you said, consent is such a big part of it. If this would have been an AI that said, hey, listen, I talked to these 500 artists and they all submitted their portfolios here and said, my computer can learn from their portfolio and I'm going to contribute this money. They get a piece of whatever this AI creates. If it was yeah. something like that, mm -hmm. man, mm -hmm. would I have signed up? I'd already have AI artwork, you know? Yeah, and, 100%. And that's not what this is. And that's my big issue because... Mm -hmm. Yes, I like I, I living in a capitalistic society saying that oh it's taking money from, away from artists. Well, it like when I hear that sometimes like the way our society works it's like well I guess we have to change. I don't think that's right, but we have to do something differently. However, this is still taking from them not just their opportunities, but taking directly from their skill and profiting off of it. And that you can't even justify in a capitalistic society, right? That's stealing. So I think we need to either, it's extreme, right? But I say like legislature. It's like, you know, we need to address this on a copyright scale when it comes to legal legality, you know? Like, let's get litigious with this. Mm -hmm. 
I hope these artists um, can find out. I think that people who have these types of AI that are going to take people's artwork and learn from it, I think they need to have to like disclose what pieces of artwork are they looking at? What pieces aren't copyrighted? Because otherwise, like, so when my stories pop up somewhere, I can go to the place and I can give them a DMCA claim and be like, hey, take that shit down. That's not yours. That's mine. Um, or mm -hmm. I can send them uh, a letter saying, hey, you want to use my stuff? Here's money for it. I've had to do it with some of my comic book stuff. Um, I've had to do it for a few other stories. And it's hard. It's annoying that we have to do that. But I have the opportunity. I search my story. I can find where it's used. If this AI isn't publicly open, like, like their coding isn't out there, how would an artist know that their stuff is being used to go, hey, actually, I am going to copyright that? They don't have that opportunity, so they can't even fight it right now with this as is. And they're using it for, for commercial gains. If this was just public sharing, I, I would be a little bit more open to it. Like, there's a lot of AI programs that you can just go and make AI artwork. No one profits off of it. But the second money gets involved, well, then you need to look at the ownership of the stuff that you're that you're utilizing. And those people need to be paid. It sucks, and it sucks for this AI creator to go, well, crap, I don't know all the people's stuff you use. Well, that's part of using technology, you know, ethically and creating ethically. And that's something that you have to consider. And that's partly my opinion, but it's also partly the law. Like, these people can come after you. So I think that, like, the law needs to be involved when it comes to being able to just like, scrape the internet for anyone's artwork to mm. use it for your gain. And I know there's a bunch of tech pros that are mad about, you know, us saying stuff like that, but it's just not okay. Cause these people don't oh, even yeah, have a chance to fight them. it. Yeah. Right. Like, right. Like, listen, and I think Lisa brought up a really, really great point earlier that had me thinking, um, which I don't do often. So this is new for me. And <laughs> uh, she said that, you know, something that the three of us know to be true, art is undervalued, right? Yeah. So when stuff like this happens in the art community, the art community gets rightfully upset and you have people figuring, okay, how can we fix this? Let's make our opinions known. Let's get the message out there. Like, don't do this. This is who you're hurting. If this, if an AI bot was created that could code an entire website in like two seconds and make it be usable and make it like good there would be more of an uproar if there was somebody who was designing a so like a, an ai that could design a whole social media website or an ai that could possibly replace the job of like a mid-tier manager at some sort of business if an ai was created to do those things people would already be like calling their senators and calling people and being like listen we need to pass a law for this and it would have already been in motion the second that mm -hmm. it came up but because this is in the art community and because art is so undervalued and because we kind of have it in our own heads that oh yeah i guess like we're not as important as doctors and like we're not as important as like oh these people who are doing this like we're so bra we brainwash ourselves and didn't not even considering law as a first like that's our first thought like terry when you brought up like you need to get the law involved i'm like oh shit you're so right we need to do that and i didn't even think of that because you know artists just brainwash themselves into thinking oh we're not worth that 
right. we could take care of this ourselves because we've always had to take care of ourselves. Yeah, like, like what did I say? Like, I'm like, we have to adapt, right? I'm like, well, that's a shitty way yeah. that I have to look we at it, We have to adapt. Right? No, we yeah. don't. We need to call, <laughs> you, need to, you need to call, like, you need to call people who are in your government. You need to tell them that this is, if you are being affected by this, or you need to call a lawyer, or you need to start taking steps in whatever system you want to really like combat this before it gets out of control but because we're so brainwashed into thinking oh well we're not really that worth it like we don't think of that it's nuts it's nuts that we don't that wasn't my first thought sorry <laughs> those are my thoughts when Lisa I mean, was like we're so undervalued I'm like well we actually undervalue ourselves actually <laughs> get real meta with it <laughs> I am my undervalue myself but I value other artists much higher yeah, exactly. you know yeah, like yeah. if like if they were supposed to, like, if this was making podcasts, you know, like I, we would already been outraged about it, and that's where like that's where it's, it's kind of upsetting, right? That like like you said, like th this is a debate right now, and I don't think it should be. I think the debate should no. be on how to handle it, not that if this is okay. I think it objectively is not okay if those artists are are having their work stolen. You know, like that's that's mm -hmm. thievery. That's just plain and simple. That's theft. Uh, yeah. No debate. <laughs> <laughs> they're stolen from no debate <laughs> i think in order in order for like for the way i see that we quote unquote fix this mm -hmm. i think first of all is the issue of consent i think it needs to come from a certain database it needs to be like works of art or pieces that have consented to being used for ai agreed to uh analyze and recreate and make patterns from Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and i think i think there is a world in the future because ai i mean you can contact your government and be like i hate this and whatever but ai is being developed whether we like it or not because yeah. it is a massive opportunity for people to make shitloads of money from and it is the emerging technology that we are going towards at this current point so i don't i don't know if there's a way that we can stop this from happening but and i don't necessarily want to stop ai period yeah, i think there there might be some sort of a middle ground in the future where we can have ai art and we can have like human made art right right and i do think that they hold different value i think ai art is what it is it's a hodgepodge of bits and pieces that were shoved together it looks interesting it, it's the it's the new thing on the art scene so you know everybody's there's going to be a hype for it by some people thinking oh my god that looks so cool you know before we get over it and then we decide oh actually you know it, it's okay and then we move on to the next thing but i think AI art should be valued as what it is. It's created by a computer. You know, it's new at the moment, but in the future, maybe it's more like universal that we have AI art. But then if we have what is the standard for AI art and we compare that to human made art, then we need to fucking pay artists a shitload of more money because everyone and their grandfather can go to, you know, Dally's website and type in uh, fluffy socks on bunny and get, you know, AI art. So then if we are looking at the price value of AI art versus human art, 
we need to fucking price human art so much higher and appreciate it for what it is because it's not just a hodgepodge of a computer learning patterns and shoving them together in a visual way. Right, but that's still that's still a subjective opinion, right? There are going to be people that prefer it to be the hodgepodge thing and say like I like computer art better and that's fine. That's so fine. we don't we can't fine. we can't inherently say that oh wait we need to value other people because that's still an opinion. But, but what but we can is say is if people's stuff is being used to create that other art, well then they get a piece of that pie. Right? Like like yeah. like Spotify. Like I prefer it, digital it, music. But people yeah. might like vinyl more. I can't say that but, vinyl is yeah, worth but, yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, but but digital music is not is usually made by a person. Like so, I don't know. But I, you, but I we still can't like tell people what they value. We can't. Yeah, know, we can't say. I know. That. I know. But like, I'm trying to compare of like traditional. How much you pay for something that's traditionally made, it mm -hmm. always costs more. Mm-hmm than if you have something that's mass made right but that's still that's that's based on a person's opinion if we didn't yeah, I mean, like that's, that's, that's not uh, I mean, inherent I, said that this is, I, I said that this is my opinion okay yeah that's, that's fine i i what i'm yeah. just saying is like i i i disagree necessarily that oh well we that means we have to pay them more i think we should and i agree with you that we should but we can't tell people what they choose to spend their money on no no, no. I, at know? the beginning when i started okay. that yeah. this whole rant thing um i said this is my opinion and i think this i know i'm just telling you that i disagree yeah. with 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 the basis of that opinion on on that grounds i agree with you i think that people who work more should but when someone puts out like an edm tune that i don't like and i go well that's I, I think that that's not worth as much as when i hear someone put out this ukulele song that they worked really really hard on that they did that's me also not understanding the amount of work that went into that digital like music right like but like you said that's still a person making it's not an ai you person, know driven i think i think like the base argument is you can't argue it right now because we don't have a lot to compare it to because ai is getting better and better and better it's invading more and more spaces and we haven't seen the consequences of it just yet right like, with all different things like we can't really compare like how would we pay people who you know do a day database stuff with ai versus somebody who um did this work all themselves they didn't have any help from the ai we don't really we don't do that with music we don't do that with architecture we don't do that with um anything else that you can commission because this is so new like we have nothing to base it off of so when you try to compare it to you know streaming versus vinyl mm -hmm. that's not just it, unfortunately it's just you can't really compare it because ai and music well it, i 100 percent know it exists i feel like i listened to an ai song once but i can't tell you what it sounded like um like it's just it's hard it's hard to do that comparison because you i agree can't yet. I, I agree that we can't quite do the comparison yet my point is just that like i never want to be the one to say well we have to value x art more than y art because art is subjective and that's partly why it's amazing so as much as like i want to say i i want people to earn more than the people who made computers to make art i don't think that that is inherently fair because art is subjective that computer art might just be better but if that computer art is better because it's using 
people's you know other artwork that's where i think the issue is i don't i don't feel comfortable saying well we should make it so computers like the people who make the computers can't make as much money off artwork as people who did it with line work because again that's like digital artwork versus you know pen and paper right like it's not inherently people involved exactly exactly but like that's that's my main issue i don't have an issue if people go i like it more and that's what we value as a society i'm not the old man yelling at the cloud and i know as much as we're joking around listen neither are you like i just (laughs) like i i there's that part that that's icky to me is because we're so new into it like like char said i don't want to say well this is worth more than this because i don't know what can come out of it right all of our opinions right now, I think we're on the same page as though we think artists who do everything like their own and who are commissioned, it is our opinion that 100%, at least, I mean, I guess I could speak for myself, I think that traditional artists, whether it's digital, whether it's um, painting, whatever, I think they should always be paid more with the current AI you know that's going around obviously yeah if but, it, if, if, it, if in the terms of the ai that's stealing other people's work to get better stealing other people 100 yeah. but if this <laughs> if this computer just learned it on its own or in a more ethical way if people value that more then it's worth more then that's that's how you decide something something is worth what people will pay for it right um there's ethics involved there like i don't agree with that with like medicine right Ooh, ooh, it's like oh my gosh this is not the best comparison in the world but it's how people like how people value technology it's like people will pay more to say they have an apple product right because of the name right and it's not necessarily better but they will pay more because it's an apple product versus you know samsung huawei (laughs) uh, motorola like any other tech company they'll pay more for the apple ecosystem even though it doesn't work as well but they'll right. still pay for for it and, and you know, while I, I wouldn't I do that Apple, i don't hate our friend chelsea who does that i do <laughs> as long as she doesn't and complain to me about my green bubble Apple. in our text message conversations then she can buy whatever <laughs> she wants and that's again artist subjective and that's where i i hold back a little bit going well we have to make sure that the computer people don't make as much money well like that's that's a different that's a different argument i guess right i'm not necessarily saying i disagree with you Lisa, as much as i don't think that's the same argument here with like the ethics of these ai but either way yet another good argument in the books for this podcast um you're both very pretty um i disagree i haven't i haven't started that also charlotte you got to get more comfortable with arguments like we're not lissa doesn't hate me well not because of this she hates me but not because of the argument other reasons yeah exactly (laughs) we're we're two adults also that can work together and disagree on things fundamentally it's going to be okay you we're not going to get a divorce over this char i promise we still love you this is not your fault you know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's not too real (laughs) oh well that's that's about it for the ai talk uh let us know what you think i i honestly i want to hear from more people too um so i can steal the best opinion right because that's how we do things uh (laughs) um uh then moving on to the bs lissa what have you been playing doing outside of this podcast recently that is a good question. What have I been doing? <laughs> Nothing. You've been in a coma since been... last week. No, she's she's been playing Sims. I've been playing Sims. <laughs> I've been playing Div too. 
Divinity Original Sin 2. I've been watching... I didn't... I don't think I've watched either of my shows for a bit, because I got hooked on um, this makeup reality competition show called Glow Up. Glow Up? I don't think I've ever heard of that. Yeah, so essentially it's like... Um, wait, what, what are those fashion shows where they have a competition of the designers and they have briefs and they... Like project America's, be- yeah, like Project One Way or America's yeah, project, uh, like, top kind of like model. Project Runway, but it's makeup. Mm-hmm. So and maybe it, closer it to that sci-fi show. Mm. Okay. And it's it's by it's partially by the BBC, and they get a bunch of makeup artists in. They give them a brief. They have to do the makeup, and then they photograph it. They critique it, and then you know every. Pr- every episode somebody gets eliminated and then you have like at the end of the season you have a makeup superstar that's really awesome uh britain's next makeup star glow up yeah three seasons 2019 is when it came out but that's pretty neat all right check that out i love watching makeup tutorials even though i don't wear makeup and i don't really care too much about it but i mean it partly is but i learned how to contour from it and i use that in my (laughs) coloring for like my art this goes so much like further because they do like SFX, so right, th- just everything like prosthetics, and it's it's all about the transformation of you get a model who sits in your chair, and then at the end, you know, you have this weird alien thing with like piping coming out of their head. So kind of like that just... show Face Off that they did on Sci-Fi a couple years ago. I wouldn't know because I never saw it. Okay, I'll I'll send you a link. You'll you'll dig it. If they do that on this show, that's what that entire show was. But more of the sci-fi bent, like they did. You know, I mean, prosthetic they, they makeup. do both. They do they do traditional makeup. They mm-hmm. do fashion editorial. They do SFX, and they do it's it's all inclusive. Sure. Uh, yeah. So each ep- each episode is like a new kind of theme, and then they did they had like a they did an Instagram filter at one point, and then they did. Uh, trying to think. They did like social media. They wanted to go make viral social media makeup tutorials as well. So mm-hmm. it's different, different briefs for different days. Yeah, I'll have to check some of that out. Um, I'll, especially like like I said, like the the tutorial ones that they do because that's like if you if you want to step up your coloring game when it comes to like your artwork. Um, if you watch people do makeup, you can see like how they do the contouring and the mixing of colors. It's uh, kind of a fast track with how you should do your colors and your artwork, um, mm-hmm. because it it's it's so much harder with makeup and you're blending things. It's a lot easier when it actually comes to painting, but um, it's super duper helpful. Face off and uh, what was the uh, Britain's next makeup star? glow up okay i'm gonna add that to the the little references here so people can go check that out is it on netflix yes i was watching it on netflix oh, you're watching it on was... uk netflix is it on the u.s netflix? uh yeah that is the question yes that is a very good one. i mm. will find out for people yes it's on netflix in the u.s or yeah, if you have a vpn you can watch it wherever you want <laughs> no, actually, Netflix Netflix blocks most VPNs. I speak from experience. Yeah, but there's better VPNs out there. I use NordVPN. No, I, I paid. Netflix has gone through and blocked every single VPN that they can find eventually. I had one for a year. It worked for a year, and then one day it just stopped working, and 60 pounds a year. Which one were you using? Uh, 
I was using Hotspot Shield. I use NordVPN. I can uh, I can send you some documentation. That one still works just fine. Um, uh, so how to switch VPNs? <laughs> yep. I paid for it for a year. I might have a bundle. I might just be able to put you on my plan, so we can do that. We'll talk about I that think. off air. But you had the best. You had the best uh, Netflix already. But it'll work for other stuff too. Yeah, that's very true. Like UK, UK Netflix, Netflix was, was great. Um, but anyways, um, see. Shart, we're still friends. I still will say I'll I'll share my NordVPN until I get off the podcast and then fuck you, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for it. Shart, what have you been doing? Um, well, I just, I've been working on the new lore rewrite and I think I have the first draft basically done. Uh, and then I have bitten the bullet and I started watching House of the Dragon. <laughs> Nice. I I've been watching House of the Dragon as well. I'm really enjoying it. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. It's I have to not... turn off my brain a little bit so I don't forget. You know. Yeah. That yeah. I I my expectations were just not even on the ground, just below the ground in the Earth's core. Like that's how low my expectations were. So I think that helped into mm-hmm. me enjoying it. And it's definitely like watered down like original game of thrones like you're only following really like one set of people instead of like 12 <laughs> i prefer so that it, though I, I it's not I a russian of, novel you know it's like a yeah. you know an easier fantasy read you know it's it's nice you have to look past obviously all the incest that's happening because it's the targaryen i don't think you can look past it, it because it's, a, it's like, like 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 you mentioned it's in your face in game of thrones <laughs> it was like there's one couple that's incest and then yeah. eventually more spoilers for game of thrones but with this one it's the main couple it's like the main crux of the show is mm-hmm. about incest kind of um yeah. it's like the main story like you kind of said like it's one thing my issue when it like i don't think it's watered down i think it's hyped up i think it's amped up so it's like hey oh, it's like the that. later seasons of game of thrones where it's like oh we're, we're moving fast everywhere i think it's like that a little bit more modern television rather than the adaptation um so i it's not so much i think it's watered down as much as i think they're trying to move at a faster pace um which might be better or worse that's that's neither here nor there i'm not saying like subjectively if it's better or worse just i think it's still a a quality product just a different kind my issue with it is all the time jumps which is fine i don't have a problem there's time jumps i think they don't do a good job of clarifying some things with the time jumps they just kind of assume that you can go along which you can for the most part but it misses some things and then they do say in the dialogue that like hey it's been two years since this sometimes yeah the, the big time jumps they do yeah the one the one that was three years they called out immediately but yeah. but they still pass through sometimes and you you'll have to go okay what they usually do is they'll pick one character to age up and not age up anybody else um so you can follow along with the kids so like you know i was about to say like if you really want to know where you are there are like people who are having babies and you can literally follow that yeah. i hate I hate time jumps as well, so that's one of my gripes with it, just because I I don't know, this is based off of Fire and Blood, which is a George R. R. Martin novel, so I don't know how the novel is, it could be exactly like that in the novel, and they're just going off, and George R. R. Martin has a huge hand in Novel's a show. strong word for, for what the book is, it's more Novella, like an, enc- no, it's more like an encyclopedia. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, well, think, more, think more like it. the sil- <laughs> it's it's more like the Silmarillion, where it's like, here's a collection of some stories, and just some articles, and some references, it's more like right. that. 
So it's more, honestly, it's more of an adaptation of the history that you already know from Game of Thrones when they talk about stories. Yeah. 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 And they, they've referenced it a couple of times. And yeah. they've referenced, they, people have already said, hey, if you are, if you want to know what happens in Fire and Blood, all you got to do is rewatch Game of Thrones. Yeah. I, I did that. And I was I'm like, oh, that's how it ends. Um, so I'm the, not. I'm don't not. do it I yo because it was very easy to find my wife sent me she was like we should watch this episode because it, it, it talks about what happens in, in targaryen and i was like well maybe let's not she's like too late i already talking about it <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh okay i guess that's what happens but my my other issue i have with it is there are some things that the that the creators think are implied well and I was very confused by it. Other things that they think they need to clarify because they think we're stupid, which sometimes we are, but they're not lining up for me. So like last mm -hmm. week there was a, a dress color and it was pretty yep, subtle storytelling dress, yeah. and it was good. But then they felt the need they needed to call it out. And I was like, no, I understood yeah, that. But then there's I a character. Like I was being talked down to. Which exactly. Feel. no yeah. but then there was another character that was impotent earlier in the season um and doesn't have sex with somebody because they're impotent and i did not get that at all i was confused no, I thank you so i was like i was like what just happened and then i watched the yeah. director commentary afterwards it was like, yeah, yeah, he was impotent yeah. and it was it was upsetting it's i was like, like well thanks for clarifying i guess because i didn't fucking get that from this people also that same scene people were confused on to like whether they actually had sex or not and, yes like, you, nobody understood what happened i'm glad it wasn't was just me about what happened no 100 percent. like they have their wires crossed and like which is why i say i don't know it's i i'm still enjoying it i'll still watch it um i think like on a more week-to-week -week basis because i'm all caught up now but in my opinion like early game of thrones is a lot better it's better at storytelling it's a lot more like well paced and yeah, i understand I the fire and blood is is paced very quickly and even it's so weird it's paced more quickly but it feels like it's dragging a bit i cannot tell you why i think that i can I tell you why you think that it's because there's not as much going on like it's moving faster yeah. through time so it's going faster pace <laughs> but the events that are happening are few and far between right that's why they have and to skip through I time think, yeah and that's why i think it's more watered down because yeah things are happening but it's not like these big ass things that happened in like early game of thrones throughout the entire season which isn't i'm not saying it's a good or bad thing i'm just saying that is how it is yeah it's just it's not just, it's, it's not as grand of a story game of thrones yeah. is it's partly why season seven kind of sucks a little bit right is because it's a culmination of not just a political story not just an intricate story but also that like world shattering uh -huh. fantasy novel you know apocalypse story and this is not that yeah. this isn't even really no. fully a political story really it's a love story and and that's why like i'm like i try to look at it through a different lens where it's like no 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 this isn't quite the same thing it's just kind of this smaller story of this family um windsor-esque you know like on a smaller scale like the crown um yeah. um and yeah, just yeah. this fantasy setting and that's where like i when i looked at it from that lens i really dig it i like i said i have issues with it but i'm enjoying it but yeah. that's you know i'm still enjoying it i will still keep watching it and i think your comparison to it being game of thrones version of the crown is probably the best thing yeah and that and like that's the explanation i it's funny thing too is like even us like disagreeing on a few of those little points this show is extremely polarizing i've seen some people like i had uh i talked to some friends really? and i was talking about like how much like i was pleasantly surprised and they looked at me like i was a pariah they're like what the fuck that show's the really? worst thing ever yeah yeah they were like it's terrible with them. I wanna, yeah i want to know why they think that not like to judge the, just genuinely because like everything like we were saying before art is subjective shows are subjective me and you 
vehemently disagree on how good the ending of how i met your mother is <laughs> no, no 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 i agree with you the ending is bad i'm just okay that he ended up with robin the way Which that they the go about it correct opinion yeah yeah <laughs> well that's i guess that i mean but i want you to know i do agree with you the ending of how i met your mother yeah. is still bad i'm just okay with him still ending up with robin I, it's kind of honestly it's similar to game of thrones i'm okay with everything they did at the end it's how they did it it's the the speed at which, yeah. which they done it. Oh, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. I could talk forever about Game of Thrones. I know. Right in the feels about it or something. Let let's do. I'm gonna put that on the books right now because my Please co-host do. of Right in the Feels doesn't watch Game of Thrones, so. Yeah, God knows. Lissa's heard all of my opinions on Game of Thrones, and she's fucking sick of it. But she will also bring up, "Hey, Charday, how about that ending of Game of Thrones?" Just to get me angry. So, you know, I want to poke the bear, and it's just funny watching Charday go from zero to 100 in three seconds. <laughs> and all I did was say, Hey, Charday, what about that last season of Game of Thrones? Bold. And then the Kill Bill sirens go off. <laughs> <laughs> uh well to wrap it all up then uh yeah i'm watching house targaryen again we don't have to go over that for another hour and a half um (laughs) i've been reading like a billion comic books because i'm i'm back into to writing and pitching comic books and stuff but uh i was working my way through walking dead last week this week i was catching up on all of my like newer comics i read through all of the avatar the last airbender comics um that are out right now those are all very good and really encapsulate like the 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 experience of those of those characters after the show which is really really cool uh both the Korra ones and like the Aang gang um so like if you like the show and you're like oh is it as good it is it's really impressive i was really pleasantly surprised at how good the follow-up comics are it kind of uh touched a little bit of like the follow-up comics to buffy if you've ever read any of those mm-hmm. like those are really high quality and you wouldn't I, I guess, and you wouldn't think that, but a lot of people think that IP-related comics are not as good, and uh, they're wrong sometimes. Sometimes they're very right. Um, but those are two really good continuations of shows, um, so I highly recommend the Avatar The Last Airbender comics. Go check those out if you like reading them. And go read Do a Powerbomb. It's almost done. There's only two issues left. And uh, if you like wrestling or if you like Lord of the Rings, I, I recommend to a powerbomb. I know those are two very, very different things, but they are highly related in that comic book. But it's also, that, at the end of the day, like a really fun story. That statement confused me very much. Dude, check out do a powerbomb. Daniel Warren Johnson never fails, but it's an awesome wrestling comic about this girl who wants to bring her mom back to life. So she has to enter into a wrestling competition with a necromancer in space. And whoever wins the tournament gets to bring a dead loved one back to life. Um, The only problem is the necromancer fell in love with wrestling in space. And in space, wrestling is real. So all the competitors from Earth are at a disadvantage because they choreograph their fights, right? Um, And that's the big twist. But go check it out. Do a powerbomb. Daniel Warren Johnson. Love it. Um, That's it for the Cave Trolls this week. If you liked this, you can check out all of our other content at campykillcreations.com. If you want to support us, you can head on over to patreon.com slash campykillcreations. You get early content, bonus content, lots of good stuff. I know some people that just get our feed through um patreon so even if you just want to back us at like the dollar tier you can just get all of the podcasts right there um as easy you know we like slavenly trolls and we like cave trolls all one big feed so you can check that out over there if you want to contact us and talk 
about AI and you don't want to do it through Patreon, you can find us at campykillcreations at gmail.com. I'm at Resident Stevel on Twitter and at RITF underscore pod. That's the Twitter handle for my other podcast, Right in the Fields, which is coming back soon with lots of episodes. And I also make comic books that can be found on the website. Sharday, where can the people find you on the internet? They can find me as the best host of the Slovenly Trolls podcast, where we talk about D&D and feminism and anal- analyze. <laughs> I can word. We today. can talk about anal. Analyze. We can talk about anal. Uh, we analyze um, <laughs> D&D. <laughs> I'm sorry. My um, I run the Slovenly Trolls Twitter at Slovenly Trolls. <laughs> Lisa, where can the people find you? Please end our suffering. Uh, so as you may or may not know, we do have an actual official Cave Trolls Twitter. <laughs> At Cave Trolls Pod, please follow us and support us. We have, as of this current moment, forty-two followers. Wow. <laughs> wow, we're famous. But we do start like we've popped up on people's feeds. I like I know it hasn't translated to more followers, but I've had several people that I know who don't even know that I do podcasts talk about the show. So we're out there. People are seeing it. People are and, and yeah. our numbers are growing. We're doing pretty well. Um we charted uh last month and some random charts that no one gives a shit about on like Apple Podcasts, <laughs> but um I give a sh- when I, whenever I get like the chart update, that's so mean. Like it first tells you all of the podcasts on your network that are out of charts, which is most of them usually, you know. Um, and then it's like, oh, but by the way, this one's doing okay. But uh, also, <laughs> don't forget, you suck. Uh, so <laughs> there's that. Give us a review. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, whatever app you use. Give us a review. Five stars, please. Tell us what you like about the podcast. It helps, you know, get the names out there and everything. Um, and on that note, uh, we won't say anything else dirty. Uh, we have been the cave trolls and we're out. All right, we're done. We're done. Now comes that special time of the podcast where we thank our Patreon producers. This month we have the Trellbot themselves, the Highlander, Chantrell Every. Thank you so much, Chantrell, for everything you do, especially monetarily. You keep the lights on, the mic's going. I just want to say thank you again from the whole network. You are our Patreon producer and the Highlander. There can be only one Chantrell. Next up for the Patreon producers, we have Jeremy Raymond. Jeremy is a newcomer, and I want to say thank you, Jeremy. It's okay that you're late to the party. It's okay that you're new. You are welcome here, especially because you wrote us a check. So, you know, you know, have at it. You're welcome to our snacks. You're welcome to the fridge. I think I saw a dog running around in the background. You know, you can go pet the dog, take it with you, whatever you want. Because, again, you paid to be here. You are a producer of the show. You keep the lights on. You keep the mics rolling. Um, you probably paid for something else that's around here that I'm unsure of. So I'm just going to say thank you again for the 10,000th time. Thank you, Jeremy Raymond. And the moment you've all been waiting for our Patreon list, our patrons for the month of September 2022. I apologize if I get anyone's names wrong. Please let me know. I want to get it right for you because you keep the lights on and the mics rolling. So first up, we have Carter Haas, Casimir Library, Jeremy Raymond, Nick Andrewson, Dungeon Master Rick, Hammer of the Gods, Christopher Marino, Stoko, Dread Ninja, Trellbot, Nathan T. Wilson, Antonia Kastner, 
Roos Lusitsky, Freen, Ryan Sheldon, Tony Latonin, Scott Williams, Becca Malema, Matt Dunn, Kim Winson, and Jordan McClanson. Thank you so much for your support, and I hope to see you next month.